the name is on a need to know basis. <laughs> All right. One, two, three. Welcome to Alt Media United's flagship podcast, yet to be named. Here I am, Mystic Mark, your host, and with me is my trusty co-host way up north, my friend who may or may not be AI, according to some of the YouTube comments. Al <laughs> Borealis joins me. How are you, Al? AI Borealis. Thank you very much. Okay. You know, when you write you, uh, Al, right, you can't see if the L is an I or an L. You understand? Mm -hmm. It's just a line, mm -hmm. a vertical line. Subtle. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's that's a conspiracy theory. Well, I always read that I'm a Nordic alien. Ah, that's the comment that hit you the most. Did it? What did it hurt? Because there's something uh, true about it. Were they that's striking? That's what a, made a the mothership <laughs> threaten to beam me back up. Yes. Oh no! Well, we don't want that to happen yet. We're just starting this amazing podcast, and we've had already so many guests on. And it's funny, I commented, oh, we've, we're have we recording this you know, intro long after we conducted this interview. We've already had three guests from three different countries. Today's guest, Matt Raymer, joined us streaming from the Philippines. That's Matt Raymer of Content Safe. Content Safe is a company that works hard to make sure your content is safe online and not only protects it, backing it up, uh, it redistributes from YouTube to BitChute to Daily Motion, Apple Podcasts, Rumble, and beyond. So if you're a content creator, you definitely want to consider Content Safe, and you'll learn more about it in today's interview with Matt. I felt like it was a great conversation, and actually another guest that we've had on this show, Ricky Verandas, he uses Content Safe for his podcast. So, yeah, Al, what do you think? You think you should get Content Safe after our conversation with Matt? Yeah. So, so can you clarify? Is it that it beams and upload to all those places, so you don't have to do it manually? Absolutely. Yeah. It replatforms and publishes on all of those places for you. Because per today, for my show, I do use Rumble, Odyssey, and BitChute. And all three of them offer to automatically import new shows I release on YouTube. Mm. But I don't have the same ability in terms of podcasting. And I don't think, for example... Um, Bitshoot doesn't do it back in time. So there are limitations. So maybe I should consider it just for that. But, you know, they really should reconsider the name because when you hear content safe, you know what people think, right? It's, they think the opposite of what this is. They think, oh, safe space. Oh, we have to censor. Oh, here you will get safe content. Well, it's ironic. It, it's ironic. It's doublespeak. Yeah, it is ironic in a way. I don't know if that's intended, but because they can protect content creators from being banned, censored, or shadow banned. So, uh, yeah, they also protect against storage system failures and uh, and help you, again, reach a larger audience by instantly 
distributing your video content for you uh, across many different platforms. So, yeah, I, I don't know the specifics, hence why we had Matt on the show. I'm sure we asked him more about that. So refer to, to My to point that. is just the irony is that the people they are after mm. may, you know, the name may be a misnomer to them. They may get triggered or they may get... Uh, you know, they may assume, oh, no, this is definitely not for me, right? So, so it's just a branding problem, potential branding problem. No. I wish I I wish I told him in the discussion, which I didn't. No. But if he listens back to this, something to consider, man. But we're helping them now to clarify that it's the opposite. You're being safe from censorship here. Right, right. And, and cancelling and deplatforming. Absolutely. So... Yeah, let's get into the interview, and uh, we got some things we're going to talk about in the outro, and uh, yeah, thanks folks for tuning in to Alt Media United's flagship podcast. We'll First episode, you <laughs> Yeah, we'll be back very soon with an interview with Matt Raymer. I think you can agree with that because, and we'll get started here now. I'm going to start recording because Matt, you've been on the internet as long as the internet's been around. You're helping people protect their content with your company content safe, backing up their video content. And this new podcast that you're hearing right now that you're a part of right now, Matt, is called Alt Media United. It's a uh, taking the same name as our podcast cooperative. And you've actually been here before on the first installment of this show. If you remember last year, you and I had a conversation. Uh, and really, I hope we could achieve the same thing. Talk about podcasting and tech. We got our friend from the north here, Al Borealis, host of the Forum Borealis podcast, hiding behind my shoulder. Greetings. <laughs> Greetings. Hello. Welcome. And yeah, Matt, another show I enjoy listening, listening to right on. Yeah. And, and you did tell me that ahead of time that you're familiar with Al. So that's cool. I, I'm excited to see you guys uh, exchange ideas. But before we get to that, tell us a little bit about what's been going on for you lately, what you have uh, for your content safe. We definitely have podcasters tuning into this show. So, yeah, tell us about cool. what you got going on, Matt. Well, content safe, there's been a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Uh, really, content safe is largely uh, automation of downloads and uploads and also a bunch of scheduling stuff. So I've been getting my hands dirty with writing my own scheduling software, which has been challenging but uh, enjoyable. Uh, at the same time, we have launched another company called mechanic mobile, which is, uh, addressing freelance mechanics all over North America. We're, we're trying to bring on freelancers and, uh, uh also mechanics right now. Uh, in fact, uh, I've just brought on three franchise holders in the last week. 
So that that's good. Um, that addresses my other kind of businessy sort of idealistic side. Uh, cause I, I really have a soft spot for, uh, freelance people cause I've done some of it myself over the years and I think we're doing it the right way. Uh, same thing with content creation. This is sort of a, you know, an idealistic crusade in some sense, even though it does have money involved in it, uh, trying to help content creators not get lost from the internet. Uh, and I've, I've had some interesting new people come on board, uh, before the calls, uh, I mentioned Courtney, uh, Courtney Turner, that she's an up and coming, uh, content creator. And, uh, I actually have another one that I'm, I'm kind of teaching him how to launch his show. He hasn't launched his first episode yet, but, uh, he's a very intriguing fellow that has a PhD in physics and worked for the Mars Rover program. So he's going to be uh, a real treat once he starts publishing. Yeah. You, you and I have talked about this gentleman before. I'd love to get in touch with him at some point and offer any advice I can, but Al, you have something to say? It's not Dr. Brandenburg, is it? No, this is a guy by the name of Dr. Dwayne Bates. He, he has several papers published in, I, I, I vetted him. He's real. Uh, he actually has several papers published in the Mars Rover program. So, um, uh, interesting guy. Yeah. Very interesting guy. Well, when we see podcasting, not just, uh, reaching new demographics, but going across borders, this conversation is happening on an international level, three different countries, three different people here. Um, and I think podcasting is growing to include more and more people. So as nervous as it makes me to hear doctors and NASA people being a part of the podcast world, I'm excited. It gives us a little window into their world. So, well, you know, I, I think I've said this in our other interviews that I'm really a meta analysis kind of guy. Uh, I, I have my own degrees. I was supposed to be a PhD in uh, physics, but I abandoned that. And I've dwelt in several different worlds in my lifetime. And I, I like to try to look at things in a totality and as a continuum and just have some humility to what I don't know and what someone could correct me on. Hmm. Agreed. Yeah. So no, I always reserve the right that I can be wrong. In other words. Right. Right. And <laughs> I don't know anything about Mars or space. I hear people tell me it's fake and I hear other people tell me if <laughs> we've been there. So, and I also hear Elon Musk wants to build a colony on it. So who knows? Right. And, and we all know that some people are really passionate about that, mm. about uh, space travel. And I was at one time in my life, extraordinarily passionate about it. In fact, Whenever I uh, was applying for my university entry and I was being interviewed, that was the area of physics propulsion that I was most interested in at that moment. Uh, I shifted and became interested in computational stuff. But, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, I can totally get the enthusiasm behind it. 
But I also think having learned the things that I've learned subsequently that space travel is actually probably out of our reach. Mm. I think Musk is smoking something. (laughs) We have evidence for that on the Joe Rogan experience. 9,000 needs to budge in here. By the way, uh, Mark, uh, what I'm saying now you should edit out. Uh, Because I'm not on cam, it's going to be difficult for you to know when I'm budging in here right yeah no i'll be i'll take care of that yeah can you see my mute button we can see a little like icon pop up in the top of our zoom screen when you begin talking right so every time i unmute it it means i'm ready to to throw something in okay it's going to make make it easier so we don't talk over each other okay that won't work quite as well as if you throw a little like thumbs up or symbol in the chat because the chat will notify okay. us both immediately, but that will only notify us when you begin talking, which probably won't help. No, no. I was thinking like uh, I hear you say something interesting like the space program. Mm. Guess if I have something to say, right? So what I do then, I unmute myself, but I don't start talking. Right. I unmute myself and I wait until... Of you course. guys are done with your reasoning or whatever's going right. on, right? Right, right, right. And I'll, I'll just to be... Totally, if you're actually watching the chat, I'll totally use the chat. Is yeah, use the chat. That, uh, use the chat. Matt, don't worry. Disregard all that. I'll. Me and Al yeah, are learning how to dance. We're new dance yeah, partners. Maybe new, right? We have to find our new <laughs> Yeah. But uh, what do you prefer then? The chat. Just use the chat and I'll... I'll just use the chat. Yeah. But I, I do want to sort of route the conversation into the direction that we plan on going. And, and space travels isn't that bad of a segue because I wanted to ask you eventually about IPFS. I know uh, for a time there you're, you're hosting a podcast on IPFS. And since then, I've met other folks who host their podcasts on IPFS and even host radio stations on IPFS. So I do think that there is a very interesting uh, connection point, and I'm glad we brought up space. Uh, but Al, you have some comments before we get into IPFS? Uh, Al 9000 want to comment space. I have two, uh, actually, comment number one, I, I, I completely disagree with your analysis. Not only do I think it's uh, feasible, I think we're doing it. We're doing it big time, and we've done it probably since the 80s, since the Star Wars program. But this is obviously covert. It's not nothing that the plebs are being brought into. Do I think the what Elon Musk and those guys are up to? Maybe no. I think you may be right there. But I have a question for you before we go to the real stuff. If you got the offer, Matthew, of joining a mission to Mars, the first colony on Mars, but it would be like maybe five or ten years until the second you know, until backup could come, would you do it? <laughs> no. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, I just needed to see where you're at. Yeah, no wonder no. you're doubting. For the record, I wouldn't before. either. Well, you know, <laughs> I, again, I can, I can be wrong. Uh, before I would get in co- convicted that way or say recommend to my children that they, that they do it, I, they would really have to work really hard to prove to me that absolutely it was safe and that you weren't going to go mad on the trip. Uh, you know, that you weren't going to get fried by radio, uh, you know, radiation or solar flares and the myriad of things that could kill you in a trip like that. Um, yeah, so what you're saying, you would, you would join the second or the third trip. 
yeah, once I see that, yeah, that really does work. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Right on, right on. And and we are sort of uh, blocked by many technological um, setbacks, so to speak. I don't think Richard Branson is going to be sending people into space next year. And it seems like this space junk layer that uh, we're told is covering the atmosphere could be maybe a new avenue for people to host their podcast, their content on the internet in a decentralized way. I'm sure the environmentalists would be very upset about all the space junk, but it seems like the satellite internet technology is, is being developed. What do you, I have a guy that you should talk to. Mm, okay. His name is Matt white. Okay. And he knows a guy that's connected to Musk that that's exactly what he's doing. It's pirate internet. Right. Not, not, uh, you know, Skylink or whatever Musk's thing is. Mm. But, uh, you know, I, I, I would definitely find that. In fact, you know, the whole idea of pirate satellite uh, internet is not new. That's right. like over a decade old where people were talking about it. And some people were even shooting up small payloads. Uh, 15 years ago. Wow. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's definitely interesting. And my only concern with Musk's idea is, uh, one, I, I just, I don't trust him. Uh, I don't think of him as a white hat or a gray hat. I, I think of him as just part of the establishment. And, uh, this whole satellite network, is really the linchpin in a global control system, at least in my view. Mm, right. Right. Yeah. And, and this idea that anyone can have cheap internet, all you got to do is just buy one of these satellites and tie it to your house or your car, or wherever mm -hmm. you want internet. Yeah. It doesn't feel like uh, uh, an altruistic deal. It feels like there's a big catch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and to go back to, to what Al said earlier. I also think that there have been ancient civilizations on earth and that probably some of those had space travel. So if there is technology sufficient to do that, it would have to have come from there. Al? Well, uh, I mean, um, one interesting thing that Pharrell that we mentioned before we went here um, has emphasized is that if you take a sober look at the evolution of human science, like in the white, the public mainstream science, now every, anything after World War II, forget about it. It's controlled, it's black, it's um, spinned. You can't trust it. But everything prior to World War II, there was an open science. Everything was in the open. That was the. This is how people still imagine science, right? Like this uh, weird, uh, innovating, uh, uh, confused professor guy, right, in his basement, uh, inventing something. You had the Einstein thing. Yeah, it was true in the old days. And if you look at uh, the evolution of our technology. Actually, you don't need like alien retrieval or ancient uh, civilization tech to see a natural evolution from the late uh, 1800s up until the Second World War, where all the ingredients 
that are required for both free energy and anti-gravity is actually to be found in our own science, including uh, these uh, conductor things. But the thing is that it, even if we could technically develop this advanced tech by our, us, our own, it doesn't mean that we didn't have help in addition, if you see what I mean. It's not an either-or. There could be... Both. Uh, Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because because if even if we if we discover stuff like this, and then we also have been working on it, it means we recognize what it is, right? That mm-hmm. means we can apply it, whether we find it in a pyramid or in Antarctica or in an alien spaceship. It means this is technology we can apply because we already are advanced enough to to do it. So I'm not passing judgment on what actually brought the big leap for us. Mm. It could be any of these or other options too. But I'm just saying, for those who refuse to take into account ancient civilizations or extraterrestrial civilization, there is a human uh, thread, natural thread, that warrants the... In fact, some say even as far back as the turn of the 1800s centuries like Walter Bosley has done some work there. So just well, want to put that out there. Yeah, I think that's a good comment. Uh, I think that I would definitely concur that World War II did change everything. Uh, the the French futurologist Jacques Elieu said in his uh, seminal work about like 1948 that there was, the true science was dead. Uh that there was no true science anymore. Uh, he was very controversial for saying that, but uh, I, he was spot on. Uh, absolutely correct. It took me a large piece of my adult life to really to, to come to terms with that. Right. Imagine where we're now. Huh? Well, and, and braiding this into... Our planned discussion, I mean, is the internet new? Are we reinventing something with the internet in the same way, you know, you you can't really reinvent space travel because we kind of are batting around the idea that someone must have done it initially before the humans did, or maybe we did in an ancient part of our past and don't remember. Well, conceptually, there were non-electronic versions of, you know, the web in the 50s but they were non-electronic they were not transistor based mm. like they were uh, uh, it was like a system uh, of papers I, and I'm only i'm sorry like a system of people and like documents and a sort of network you know, like machinery mm. that, that could actually allow you to look up things uh right but it, but was, it was analog huh yeah <laughs> I can't remember the name of it, but I remember reading about it. I'm, I'm picturing punk version of the internet. Yeah, I'm picturing it's like pneumatic like tubes <laughs> pushing like little things around, like a post office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the um, the the tech that we currently have access to uh, that we are exploiting at Content Safe is uh, interplanetary file system. And uh, what we're offering at present is pinning services. So if you know anything about IPFS, 
uh, the best way to use IPFS is for the content creator to have his own IPFS node and that they upload their files to that node. Now there, there's a, there's a lots of ways to do it, but you know, fundamentally uploading it to your own node and then sharing the hash code from that file to other people so that they can uh, build a network mm. that has quicker speed. Right. And so what we're offering is a pinning service where we can pin files that you've uploaded and help you with your bandwidth. Right. And for uh, people who are also, go ahead. Well, and I was just going to clarify for maybe our new listeners who aren't aware of the whole IPFS concept quite yet. A node, as opposed to, let's say, maybe a website, is different in the sense that the traffic isn't all going to one storage space on the Internet somewhere. Right. The node is sort of evening out the traffic that goes to the website in some way, sort of distributing it amongst the people who are connected to it. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a daisy chain of notes. And if I upload something, I announce to this what they call a swarm. I announce this swarm of nodes that I have this hash code. And then if another node asks, could I have a copy of that hash code? Not only could I give him a bit of the file, but I could also give him a list of other nodes that have more bits of the file. And in that way he could distribute the load of, lo of retrieving that file across as many nodes as he could get uh, peer IDs for. Right. And in this way, it serves our purposes as a sort of decentralized um, network, right? I mean, speaking for Alt yes. Media United as a co cooperative, because instead of putting all your info or your data in one place, like a time capsule that someone can come and dig up and, and remove, it's distributed, it's spread out, it's dispersed right. in many different places. That's right. And, and it's pretty much uncensorable. Is as long as there is an internet. Is this comparable to either peer-to-peer peer or, or to cloud? Because cloud is peer, I'm totally against. It's peer-to-peer. You could host a node in the cloud. That's what we do. We host some nodes in the cloud, but that's only one node in a cloud in a swarm of nodes. Uh, it, you're familiar. I, I'm sure you've know BitTorrent. Sure. IPFS is BitTorrent 2.0. Ah. So even BitTorrent has its own 2.0. Everybody talks about 2.0 and 3.0 these days. Right. So this is the BitTorrent 2.0. Yeah, BitTorrent has been the greatest tool for us plebs, for our liberation for so long. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, it was what got me started with content sake, basically, was I was taking programs or, or shows that I liked downloading them and putting them up on torrent sites and then helping seed the torrents. Is crypto uh, based on anything? No, like this? no, no. Uh, IPFS is purely peer to peer with no crypto attachments. 
the guys behind IPFS launched a separate product that was crypto-based. It's called Filecoin. And now this Filecoin, this is what people are getting paid Satoshis through their podcast with. Are you familiar how podcasters can set up a node no, now and that's receive? Not the same thing. They, oh. They've got their own coin. Okay. Uh, and and it's not really worked out so well for them. Um, in fact, it was what they call vaporware for about three years before they actually had a product. They were, incidentally, they were the largest at the time, the largest IPO. So they, they raised $100 million in their IPO back in 2016, 2017. At the time, that was big money, but now it's dwarfed by plenty of other things in crypto. Mm. Uh, there was another point I wanted to make there. I, I, me personally, I would like to keep that technology decoupled from crypto. Uh, I, I would rather see someone leverage, for instance, Bitcoin Lightning to do micropayments to content creators than to have the file tied to a crypto. Now, there are some advantages to having it tied to a crypto. You could have premium content mm. that you perhaps could release with a payment. Right. Well, but, what I've seen some podcasters do, and, and Adam Curry and Dave Jones on the Podcasting 2.0 podcast talk about this a bunch, uh, programs or, or platforms like Sphinx offer podcasters yes. a node that gets attached to their RSS feed somehow. And then when folks listen through that app, they're able to stream a set amount that they determine of Satoshi's, a fraction of Bitcoin to the podcaster in real time as the podcast is being played on their phone. So it's sort of like a, a streaming subscription, um, you know, premium kind of thing, value for value, right? And people See, love your show and like send you money based on Bitcoin lightning. Uh, which, right, which the Lightning I, Node I'm Network. Really in, I'm really in favor of that. Uh, that that type of technology is fantastic. And and where does that differ? Because you you meant you were very sort of adamant, like I don't want to see crypto attached to IPFS. So we'll see. They're different channels. Okay. Uh, I don't really like to see them locked together or, mm. or coupled. Right. Uh, I'd like to see one channel for payments and one channel for distribution network and that the two are not coupled together. Mm. So if I, if we find a better version of IPFS, if there's an improved form of it, that's more anonymous, more secure, we just pull that piece out and it's not, we're not connected to a crypto. Right. And then if you say, Oh, I've got something better than Bitcoin lightning. Okay. Let's pull out Bitcoin lightning and plug in another thing. Right. These things should be modular. They should not be interconnected. Well, and that is the Just, trick of industry, right? Is to take the modularity out of the sort of consumerist world that we live in so that you have to go to the company Apple to get your Apple crap phone fixed. You know, you can't go to some uh, mom and pop phone fixer because they might not have the the way to the right way to do it or, or be able to offer you the parts you're looking for. If I look at the really good products out there, the ones that, uh, that really make a difference, they're always modular. They're, they're always focused on a single purpose. Uh, if I look at the 
corporate products that have been given to me over the years, like say Windows, for instance. It's terrible. It's buggy. It's uh, it, it it doesn't really have staying power. There are tools written for uh, say Unix systems, which we inherit in Linux systems, that they're fifty years old. <laughs> They're wonderful tools. I, there are people still using them today. <laughs> it, it's it, it's amazing because it got. I mean, it got improved, perhaps new versions of it, but uh, it's, it's still essentially the same tool. Right, right. And if you can't break it, you can't fix it. Understand why? You see the same thing uh, in mechanical stuff, like cars, for example. They've never been worse than now. The earliest cars were the most solid. They were made to last. That was the philosophy in old days. Look at furniture too, antique furniture. Made to last. Quality was what they were building for. Now in our uh, day and age, it's post-capitalism or crony capitalism, corporatism if you like. It's all consume, consume, consume. Mobiles are made to be broken after a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, These uh, operation systems too. So we could do much better in a system which didn't have that incentives to milk us as if we're, you know, uh, in the matrix being, you know, sucked our energy out. That's that's what's going on, right? It's not how can we prosper, how can we become a better civilization, how can, you know, that's not, it's in ordinary people's mind, but not in those who call the shots. So I'm not surprised that the, often the early technology of something we, is innovated by the idealists who are not taking thinking money right they're not thinking how can we squeeze most sense out of this so yeah often they would make stuff so that it's made to last and i'm not surprised this could be true in in software too i must admit i'm such a dinosaur i'm using windows but i'm using at least i'm using windows 7 right before they went over to the right and it's hacked and adjusted version so it's like optimal and all the bad (sighs) shit is out some extra shit is in you know what i mean yeah yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah 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 Yeah. and and i would definitely urge everyone do not upgrade because no no Oh, well, from se- uh, absolutely stay there. If, if you're comfortable with seven, stay there. And for those people who have 10, do not upgrade to 11 because that's the end of the world as far as operating systems. It, they, they basically own your computer at that point. Basically, 10 means you're, 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 you're in, in someone else's computer, are you not? It's the cloud based thing, right? So well, 11 is that they basically lock down all of the, of the components and they have the ability to disable the computer. Jeez. Yeah, it's bad. And is there a way for someone to uh, go in and, and reverse that process once they've already uh, upgraded to well, 11? I have confidence that hackers might be able to figure that out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I need to talk to some hackers. I'm uh, I'm embarrassingly a rookie when it comes to this. But, yeah, they sort of bully you. I mean, I got a new laptop recently, and I just got bullied, bullied, bullied into downloading Windows 11. Like, they were telling me, oh, your computer's not going to work. Every day I'd get a notification, oh, do an updated restart. I got sick of it. I, I went into the settings and I figured out how to turn these notifications off. And 
I'm almost certain I'm still on Windows 10, but I'm a little nervous that I might have actually been pushed into Windows 11 because it's hard to change things around. Like I have to go. I remember, you know, I've been using computers since 2006. I remember a day when I could go into the settings and change everything that I needed to change in the computer front and back. Now to just go into my um, storage, I need to go to my storage and then I need to go into my advanced storage and then I need to go into advanced settings. And they ask me, they say, are you sure you want to change your advanced settings? It's like, yes, like I'm not a moron, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't really care for Microsoft. What I find interesting is in graduate school in computer science, which I, I whenever I left physics, I went to computer science graduate school and my professors hated Microsoft. We had entire units talking about why Microsoft was flawed. Uh, what, you know, the whole story behind MS-DOS and all of that, we were informed about all of that in the 90s. Yeah, and, and, and we who grew up with the computers, right? What did we do? Uh, you, you were just like guys were the ones, you know, the hillbillies who were into motorcycles or cars, and they get the car and they fix the car and they improve the car. Very male thing to do, right? Well, the nerd version of that is... You get your own computer, you build your own computer. That's why we hated Apple and Mac, because it was so locked into a A4 model. You can, couldn't go out. So we built our own PCs. And when it comes to the software, it's kind of, here in Norway, we have a saying, it's a spank to your own ass. That's what was going on there with you, Mark. Because if I was you, if I get, even if it's a laptop, what I do when I get it, whether it's new or used, I completely f format the entire thing, deep format it, so it's a fully empty hard disk. Then I take my copy of, let's say, Windows Ultimate 7, tweaked version, hacked version, etc. Bam, I put that in. Then I put in all, all the programs I want. And that way, nobody will bully you to upgrade or whatever. You're your own master. Mm. Of course, Linux is better. I know. I know. You, you Ubuntu. Go for Ubuntu, guys. Mm. Oh. Or Arch Linux. Uh, I, I've been an Ubuntu guy for a decade, but I'm starting to move to Arch Linux. It, it seems Arch a little Linux. bit better. Yeah, it seems mm, a little okay. bit better. Mm. Now, uh, oh, I was going to say, is this a, an American symptom here? Because I was indoctrinated into this sort of way of using a computer in school. You know, they never taught us the actual mechanics it's of... It's not just America. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just America. No, this you're tr you're right uh, because you go you, you it's your age that's a problem because you got it in school, right? We who didn't get uh, sheep herded through school, we had to figure it out our, on our own, and we right. it became a thing. You build your own computer. If you can't build it, you always have a friend who can, right? And I and all the girls knew this. No, none of the girls bothered to do this, but they knew always knew a guy. And I've had many uh, friend girls who's asked me to help out with that. But this, that, it's over. It's over. It's just a few dinosaurs like me left. Most people now, they just go with whatever. They get the phone, they get the computer, whatever's on it, they run with. It's so unconscious, but most people operate like that. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, dragging us back to this good, good rabbit trail. Um, Back to IPFS, uh, some downsides. Uh, one, 
there's no index for all of these hashes that reference files on IPFS. That's a problem because it's not easily searchable. So creating so say creating anthologies of your shows would be the one way to do this, but there are also some people trying to build search for it. Uh, I have some ideas myself about how to address that problem, but since it's distributed and there's no real central repository, it does make it hard to make a comprehensive uh, index. So that, that is a downside. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, do you see with this 2.0, 3.0 internet, this becoming less available or, or more available? Cause people are, are quickly staying on, you know, these mainstream platforms that have taken over the internet. You know, they're going straight to Facebook. They're going straight to Google. You no, know. that's actually not true. Uh, Facebook is dying slowly. Uh, there are a lot of alternatives out there. Uh, people are going to more focused types of communities that focus either on their, their whatever business they're doing or uh, whatever hobbies they have. These alternative platforms are proliferating and it's only going to accelerate. Uh, I don't think that Facebook or LinkedIn or any one of these old school, massive centralized platforms is going to be able to address what people are interested in. Did you um, guys notice the latest with Facebook, uh, the metaverse problem they're having? And it's an old problem, so I don't know why, why it's new to them. And that's that mm -hmm. when people go into this shit, they become nauseous, dizzy, sick. They just can't function. You know, uh, when your uh, senses are hijacked 100%. That's, that, that is actually one of the major problems with uh, the 3D world. And you're right. It's been a problem forever. And that's why it's whenever I saw... race, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I saw Oculus Rift being released several years ago, I was like, really? I mean, is that going to work? And... Uh, it, it isn't working, so they're talking about chemical solutions to balance issues. Yeah, it's insane. They're going Brave to new world. Our chemistry so that we can be squeezed into this. Mm. Well, and and right. or or it, given it, drugs let's go straight to the simulation theory, you know. But we we don't have to go there today. It's a never-ending. Well, and it, it it brings up this whole concept of you know uh, digitally distributed. Um, pharmaceuticals you know if they could plug in like i think that's the concept of a philip k dick book or or brave new world that you know these people live in a simulated reality and the only reason they're able to stay in it is because the government pumps them up with drugs yeah yeah and you know going back to my i think i may have mentioned this in the previous show one of my favorite futurologists is shock elliott and uh, his whole thesis in his work, The Technological Society, was that we would destroy ourselves. He was not an optimist about the future in that work. Uh, 
and and that's what I see coming out of these types of, and I would say speculations at this point as to what we're seeing on the scenes with, uh, say, uh, the injections that are occurring now. Uh, I don't know where you're going to publish this at. <laughs> oh, don't worry about that. We're fine. You don't can worry about that. speak freely, please. Yeah. That's the concern I have that if the speculations, cause I haven't really seen what I would consider to be solid evidence of say like a, I've heard rumors of, uh, these things generating platforms for electronics in your body. I'm not convinced about that yet. Uh, I'm concerned that they might actually want to do that. And I am concerned that they may end up killing all of us. <laughs> wow. Well, not all of us. I mean, uh, there's enough people who won't touch this thing. Well, I won't touch it. <laughs> but then the question is self-propagating, you know, uh, they're talking about what was it Gates said? He said, we need to be able to do this without people consenting was basically what he said. That's been his successful business model his entire life. So why not? <laughs> but when we speak to <laughs> Facebook and all that stuff, I heard that TikTok is actually larger than Google now. Wow. Amazing. Yes. It's for the first time Google isn't number one anymore. It's TikTok. And I haven't even got my ass on TikTok. I imagine TikTok as like like early YouTube, you know, for teenage girls or something. So I had no idea TikTok has taken over. It's always the youth that is paving the way for where, for some reason, for where all the numbers go. They have the most free time. Everyone else follows suit. What's that? I said they they have the most free time. Adults are working. Well, my my daughter, that's what my daughter is using. It's uh, TikTok, Instagram, right? But but the upside is that there still are quite a few good things out there. Uh, on, on even TikTok, my daughter finds all sorts of anti-vax stuff and alternative health things and. Oh, yeah. Because it, it, it's the Chinese that is, has the job of censoring TikTok, and they are overwhelmed because I don't think they saw it coming either, that the entire world is going on. And now they have to be careful because America Congress or whatever is discussing to ban, to uh, you know, what, what they did with the, these Twitter um, clones. They mm, just, mm-hmm. it, it's not a free market. It's not a meritocracy. It's, okay, we have the abilities to crush you, so we're going to do it. You know, they pretend, oh, you can't be here because, uh, you know, go form your own platform. And when they do it, okay, we're going to kill that platform. So uh, <laughs> yeah. so the Chinese has to be d- d- uh, careful, right, because they're discussing killing it. And so I guess TikTok is temporarily in limbo right now. There's censorship going on, but it's not consistent. And well, if I know they have that- other priorities than what is censored. For example, if you look at, uh, and I agree with your assessment about Musk, by the way, Matthew, but if you look at Twitter, you know, porn is completely, hardcore porn is allowed on Twitter. So, um, but the Chinese are more prudish on that. So there's mm-hmm. like different kind of priorities about what what's being put in the censorship ground. Well, I heard right. recently that they were, that they were focused on domestic censorship. So 
Th they said that they were going to review every comment and every reply to every message in China. <laughs> wow. Probably, yeah. They're very old school and like they actually hire people to survey other people like we did in the old <laughs> days, right? Everything <laughs> is algorithm now, but they don't entirely trust that yet. So they have a lot of people on the payroll to mm. spy on other people still. But I, I have friends uh, that or clients that deal with people in China and uh, they're, they're they talk about the great firewall of China, but actually it's full of holes. It's, it's not. Uh, yeah, I would imagine the that. bigger the wall, the more holes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, which in a sense is something I've argued about the whole technology of the internet unless they replace tcp ip which is the foundation protocol for the internet you really have a hard time censoring the internet because it's so porous and that's good that's good news that uh that that, that that's the case but do, do they really want to censor the entire internet? I think what, what they really want to do is make sure most people are looked into certain aspects of internet, like, you know, the social mm -hmm. media. And there they can... Because they don't care if Alex Jones sits in a remote page that nobody is linked to, which is censored everywhere, right? Because it's going to be hard. He, he's, yeah, he's already his audience will find him, but they're going to limit his new appeal to new people so that's but I, I i had a vision a very dark vision that in the mm. future that where they want to go is to develop two a two tire two tire is that what you say two tire internet one for Tier. clubs which is more like a consumer portal you can't really freely create pages or go there but you can shop you can yeah you can read this library you access to blah blah and then the professionals which has the old internet, they can search for anything, they can find anything. So if you talk well, with customer service or you're with your bank or whatever, they have the ability to tap into the real internet, if you see what I mean. That's... Yeah, and if and you look I'm at taking Google, this completely out of my, my a vision I had, if which you I look think at is Google, where they want to go. Pardon? Uh, if you look at Google, that's practically what's happened with Google already. So look at Google search. Uh, when, whenever Google search was first created, there, there were all sorts of advanced features for searching in Google that you yeah. no longer have. That's right. Because they had to compete with other Google. I used Alta Vista, I think it was called. Me too. But pretty, pretty <laughs> similar to Google. I don't know why they went under, because they had the same matches as Google. Only Google and Alta Vista, you could have like, you could search for an exact phrase. Remember that? That was very new at some time, and that helped very much. Mm -hmm. But suddenly, Alta Vista was gone, and I had to mm -hmm. go to Google because that was looking. It was very similar in looks to Alta Vista and in function. And after that, Google just took off. Well, and maybe this is a tangent, but I, and I'm sure I've mentioned this to you before, Matt. Um, stumble upon this random discovery engine. I mean. The fact that, that they, they gutted that and replaced it with something that was entirely different to me indicated that they didn't want people freely stumbling through the internet. I, I found so many interesting websites 
just clicking stumble. And for those who don't know, it was a randomizer. So it just brought you to a random URL and there are certain parameters you can define and maybe go through certain genres of websites. And it was immensely resourceful. I found plenty of, uh, you know, stories and articles that you, you wouldn't even know how to begin to search for those things with a search engine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that was because of the lack of good search facilities. Stumble upon was a mechanism for helping people discover the internet. And whenever Google got so good at providing information about websites before the current era, which now you can't really use Google effectively anymore because Google obscures things from you. Uh, but stumble upon was a way to just get people interested in the internet and it had its day and it went away. And it's like anything, uh, if you built the software and someone came and offered you, you know, $20 million for it, you accept the $20 million. You're not thinking about, you know, what sort of idealistic thing that you want to do with stumble upon, mm, right, which right. goes back to what Al was saying earlier that the world's not run on purpose and meaning really seems that it's driven by that on the internet i mean the people who who are working on the grassroots are are driven by that sure and and most people who are trapped in the rat race labyrinth believe meritocracy is the name of the game at least they used to do maybe not in america anymore because it's so transparent there but you know, that pipe dream has been run. That's what the ants has been <laughs> running on for so long, right? Now it's getting more and more visible how rigged stuff is. And one thing is the censorship. I mean, the censorship and the limitations they put down is in our face, right? It's obvious. They try to legitimate it with all sorts of, you know, new speak and new thought or malinformation and whatnot. But in a way... It really boils down to what values you have because you have to be pretty dense not realizing censorship is going on. So in a way, I don't mind it too much in that we know what's going on. A verse aspect of this, which people are much less aware of, is what I've been preaching since I started my podcast. And now finally I am vindicated because there's is evidence for it out there. And that's the fact that Operation Mockingbird never stopped. It was mm. it, it was aimed at the media we had at the time, which was public mainstream media, which isn't mainstream anymore. Only 6% is paying attention to it. But anyway, they controlled um, eventually most uh, big out news outlets and people working there, and they crushed local. Well... Obviously, when the internet came and everybody and their mother went on, and that's where, for many, many years, if not decades now, with prime prime tool of our news, obviously that's been uh, aimed at. And if everybody goes to the Jimmy Dore show, 1st of July, and check out a show called US Spy Operations that manipulate social media revealed, they are revealing three different um, projects there. And it seems now that... You know, between the censorship on the one hand and the manufacturing of opinion on the other, because that's what's going on here. People feel as if, you know, the majority has to be made uh, believe that they are a minority. 
For example, when it comes to mainstream media, 6% is watching, everybody thinks the majority is watching. Uh, right. So what they do here is that they have tons of bots. They have like one person, one agent working with 10, 15 bots. And, the, and that one person can make these bots seem like 15 different per people. I, I guess 15 is the max of what one person can operate. And so they have thousands of uh, trolls and bots and all these things they've been uh, blaming Russia for, <laughs> they have been doing. And they've been doing it for over 20 years. And it's just more and more now corporations are doing the same thing too. Even, even these um, big pharma corporations are doing this. They, uh, on the one hand, they're using bots, on the other hand, trolls, paid actors. And that way, they can, like, attack someone, you know, be bully someone who thinks, oh, I'm getting the wrath of the world on me. Sometimes that's organic. Like, if you're Amber Heard right now, mm -hmm. you should, you know, go under the radar because everybody's going to hate on you. But that's the effect they are manufacturing with this social engineering thing that's revealed. And that's, I think at least as effective as as censorship because people are very vulnerable to what they think is the main uh, opinion. Agreed. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, if you look at how they sold COVID, they sold COVID exactly that way. Yes, it was used under COVID too. And, and that's why the whole face mask thing was such a big deal because it's a visible sign of everybody's in, everybody's, you know, on board uh that's why I, I at least initially uh enforcement of face masks was a big thing because one person not wearing had such a deleterious effect of the strategy <laughs> especially if you saw the person consistently not wearing and they weren't dying then it's like well that raises skepticism of <laughs> what's really going on here mm. um and unfortunately, um, in the in terms of the vaccine, it's also allowed uh, for a cover up of the adverse events to the vaccine. Same strategy. Al's right. So I have um, we'll be closing up uh, here, but um, at least one question you need to answer before you go is. Um, what is the worst case scenario you can envision for the future technologically here? And of course, I have to have a, a, a part two of that question. And that's what's the best case scenario for us? What hope or potential solutions out there do you see? Well, the worst case, I think I've already kind of laid out that uh, I, I think that unintended consequences uh, that they don't actually have control over these technologies that they're trying to use to control us and they end up killing us including themselves I, i'm not confident that they have that much control over this tech that it that they think they do but i don't think they actually do so that's the worst case scenario that i can imagine uh, though some people would say that's not that bad of, uh, of a conclusion because then at least nobody's oppressing you. <laughs> We're all dead. Uh, on the most positive, by the same token, if I feel that they don't have that much control, I think that our ability to slip out of this and 
to create a kind of different world, a parallel society is possible. It's not going to be a utopia. And it's going to be full of opposition. And they're going to try to reel us back in. But I do think that that is what I'm aiming for. I love it. Thank you, Matt. Can you remind the listeners where they can find you? I know you had a podcast for some time. I hope it comes back when your time becomes a little more available. It's known as Deplatformed, and it's available on IPFS. Uh, is it still available? Yeah, D- uh, dplatform.co is the website. Okay. And uh, contentsafe, uh, contentsafe.co is uh, my contentsafe service. Uh, and anomalousdesign.com is my primary company. And just shout out my other new project, mechanicmobile.co. That's mechanic-mobile.co. That's uh, another one of my passion projects. Um, yeah, uh, guys, uh, anybody who wants to talk about getting their content, uh, distributed on, uh, up to, or over a dozen different, uh, alternative video and media platforms, just contact us and we can get you distributed. Excellent. Thank you so much, Matt. We appreciate you joining us here and, uh, We'll stop recording right now unless Al, you have a two seconds here. Final thought. Check in with your with your AI, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, um, yeah, you know these shows here are brief interviews, but uh, if you know my podcast, you know I go into depths, right? So yes. maybe we could uh, continue this conversation in the future in my podcasts. Oh, so absolutely! I'd love you that for some deeper perspective yeah i'd love that yeah Mm. okay Um, especially getting an opportunity to talk with someone like you that's been around for a while and talk to so many different people i I would love that experience i guess we're at the point where i've been aware for around for a while (laughs) i didn't think of that oh yeah i feel like a newcomer your your reputation (laughs) preceded you al don't worry yeah and i'm glad we made this connection because i'm looking forward to listening to the matt raymer edition of form borealis it'll be we'll see how many parts that one goes for you know what you just (laughs) made my tingling up my spine i'm like i never would have thought i'd be on forum borealis (laughs) well you're not siloed so you're the perfect guest Right on. Alex's favorite expression, being siloed, right? And we are unsiloing. We are like blowing up all walls. Mm. And we do the same thing here, Mark, right? That's why we're such a good match here. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to take on all angles. That's our our intention, isn't it? Indeed. You know, you you don't know everything. So looking at things at a meta level, Mm. trying to appreciate the continuum of what people think about a topic is going to help you understand better what's true and what's false. Amen. Excellent. And it's almost a lost art today. Before it was like a matter of fact. That's right. Oh, somehow it's been purged from our culture. It's amazing. Yes. And it's not, not recent that that actually started. Uh, you know, I'm 52. 
and I can remember as a child the the things I heard just without the internet were amazingly beyond what you would hear in the news now. Yes, uh, yes even normal conversations were deep in, in the old yeah. days. Even the plebs, you know, the, the what is in Harry Potter, the muggles were having <laughs> magical conversations. I yeah, don't know right. what's going on, man, but we have to fight this thing, that's for sure. Have to bring back a new culture and and we so we are our show here very subversive in many ways we want to contribute to steering the direction because if it's true that the mainstream is not mainstream anymore which is true then uh, we need you know there's no it's not an indie show save a few outliers like joe rogan who made it very early and russell brand who's managed to do it lately but those guys can are, are, are in many ways becoming a new mainstream, but all the others are being stifled now by the stuff you've been talking about, right? How we are being limited in left and right. And so, but we can pull together. And that's what we want to do with these shows. Since this is yes. the first show, uh, I, I'll just reiterate this. Uh, we're probably going to do it in many shows onwards, but we're going to brand together and pull together and bring in different people who and, and develop like some sort of um, underground culture. And I believe this is the way to battle because they have the control, they have the centralization. But all the centralization and all the control is dependent on and aimed at the masses. They have yes. to control the masses, they have to get the masses on board. So the more the masses do their own thing, their own parallel thing, the more possibilities it is for us to escape the i agree i agree 100 percent uh and that's where i see i see everything going that these distributed non-interconnected communities are going to be the future and they're going to be very 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 hard to control mm. because they're decentralized right right Exactly. And that's why, you know, like there really should be no desire on the part of anybody. Like I look at someone like, say, Joe Rogan and I say, well, you know, wait a minute. Why would I want that many people following me? I tell my content creators, if you could get a solid following of, say, 10,000 people that are interested in your material, you can make a living off of that. You don't really have to have a million. People. I mean, if you have ten thousand subs paying subscribers, right? You're set, man. That's right. So, yeah, I, yeah. I have one client right now. I won't mention his name because he wouldn't like me disclosing how much money he makes. But one client, he only has a hundred thousand YouTube. Excuse me, two hundred thousand YouTube subscribers. He makes forty thousand dollars a month. That makes sense. It's it's crazy. It's mostly Patreon. He's making it mostly on Patreon. Ed, we didn't talk about that. That's another problem. You know, mm. Canada, and uh, it's going to come all over the world. They're going to just rip you out of the money chain, right? Right. So Patreon, you can't trust Patreon. Uh, quick, at the end here, is there any option for us? 
or do you see any potential option in the future to to be, be part of the economy without having to be an, uh, um, a hostage of the bank? I, I think that the only hope for remote distance payments has to be crypto. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I know there are people who don't trust crypto at all. <clears throat> and there's good reasons to not trust electronic payments in any form. But the mechanisms are there. It does look like really solid technology that isn't easy to cheat on. At least not Bitcoin. And my conspiracy hypothesis of what's going on, because, you know, there's, it's a manufactured and a natural crash dovetailing here. It's first a natural one that happened uh, before the pandemic and then the, the taking and seizing upon it and making it worse, the so-called Great Reset. Now, the point is, my conspiracy hypothesis is that they are making a huge big deal of the crypto crash because obviously there will be a crypto crash when everything else is crashing, right? But the crypto yes. crash isn't that bad. In fact, <laughs> cryptos aren't even worth less than they were in 2020. That's right. Behaving as if it's, yep, this is the final evidence. And I think, here's the conspiracy part of this. I think it's intentional. And I think it's because they want to scare people away from the so-called unregulated crypto so that we can go over to E-Gen, E-Gen or whatever it's called, E-Dollar, E-Euro. Yeah, Euro, but, but you know the shit. mistake in that strategy is that the people who are really vested in that crypto community, you know what they're doing right now? No, tell me. They're not panicking. They're not selling all their crypto. That's they're right. stepping I'm back and saying, okay, uh, it's, it's not so crazy. Because to be honest, a lot of people don't like it whenever the crypto markets go through the roof. It, it, it's, it's incredibly stressful to see the prices going up and up and up and up and up. I would have much rather seen Bitcoin going up at a steady pace in value than I would see it jumping to a hundred thousand overnight. Uh, yeah. So what they're doing is they're they're doing what I'm doing: study the technology, try to figure out uh, better ways to transact, uh, work on other projects, take on a sec a normal job, you know, making fiat. Uh, the the people who are into this are very much anti-establishment. Mm. But the Though, clever ones are buying cryptos now. Yes. <laughs> not selling. Now is the time to buy. That's right. And, and I do think, by the way, that someone like Satoshi Nakamoto was part of the establishment. Mm. You mean like Intel? Yeah. I suspect he was probably NSA. Mm. But then he must have been a rebel, because why would he make the, the blockchain so that it can't be hacked? If you look at the establishment as not being a monolithic organization controlled by, a, by one entity, but actually a confederation of different parties. Like a mafia board or something. Yeah. Right. You could see that, okay, we need a way to prove and be able to audit transactions that people aren't cheating. So they built this as a mechanism to keep people honest. So it's not really an anti-establishment tool. It's an establishment tool. It's not. I mean, it an is an anti-establishment tool when the establishment is criminal and not honest, right? Right. In a, but in an in old school idea of a society, this would be 
brilliant, but the criminals have taken over. So that's probably why they hate it. Right. Bitcoin. Exactly. So I think we take advantage of it while we can. And, mm. uh, and it may turn out to be eventually that we will, we will see the fall of the internet and we will be truly distributed. <laughs> mm. Wow. Both at the same time. I hate okay, to guys that was fun. Yeah, I hate yeah, to uh full blowing our minds. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't want to yeah. end it so, so soon but I know you guys will do uh, a full take on uh Forum Borealis. I'm excited to hear that. I got a little distracted, I have to admit. What's that? We we said one hour we have to try to stick to it, you know. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course. I just wanted to say really quick why I got distracted. I think it's pretty world shattering news. Did you guys hear the Georgia Guidestones were uh, attacked? Somebody tried to blow up the Georgia Guidestones? Uh just a man. No, I didn't. I just, you know it's, it's all over my phone I right saw now. A cartoon or this afternoon of Keck riding on a wrecking ball. What? Where was yeah. that online or 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 on yeah, TV? I saw it online, huh. and, and I was like, "Secret code." <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Wow. That's weird. <laughs> All right. What time was it that they tried to do it? Early this morning, uh, U.S. time. So it was. I guess it, they found out that it blew up this morning. Somebody must have did it last night. I think I saw it on Telegram. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how uh, my phone just started getting all these notifications. I'm like, "What's going on?" But huh. Well, that's one hell of a way to wrap it up. I was just thinking that it's some guy's, you know, wet dream that they could knock <laughs> over the... Which is wow. worse, of course. It, right. It was. Uh, I mean, uh, nobody in elites are in the business of communicating their evil plans to us through stone. I mean, I know a lot about that thing there, the Christian Rosenkreutz thing. It's my domain. But it was just... A, I, I never heard anything about this until you said it now, Mark. And mm. I'm not surprised because it was just a matter of time because it's become a symbol of the oppression, the evil conspiracy oppression. So obviously some some guy sooner or later would yeah. bring a bomb. I mean, it's America after all. You're even killing kids over there. So why wouldn't you blow up the stones? I mean... <laughs> It's a matter of, matter of time. I'm just counting down for your civil war, if we can stop it. <laughs> creating a new and better culture. Oh, I'll I'm be, just glad I don't live there anymore. I'll be podcasting <laughs> from the battlefield. I, I live in northern Luzon in the Philippines. And, uh, oh, that's right. Any, that's right. Anything that you hear about, this is another thing to talk about briefly whenever we meet again, is uh, this place. I, this place woke me up. I'll say that. This place woke me up. Oh, man. Yeah, and we, we have talked about that on my show before. But, Matt, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure sure. talking to you. Uh, uniting three different nations here on this, uh, on this podcast here in my nation, yes, is troubled. Thanks for pointing that out, Al. <laughs> Until next time, folks. All right. And that was our interview with Matt Raymer from Content Safe. And of course, if you're a content creator, you're going to need Content Safe moving forward because who knows? Things can go one way or the other. Maybe people will get more sensitive. Maybe people will sense, you know, sense up. I don't know what I was trying to say there. Become more sensible and, and, and mm. not 
sort of blindly less, consent. Less sensitive, more sensible. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, go. people are kind of blindly consenting to this censorship. And I think once folks become more aware of the diversity of information that's available to them, they'll be concerned with the media outlets, the major media outlets, and why they've been sort of filtering what is needed to be known. But anyways, Al, we just got done talking to Matt Raymer, although this is being recorded in the future, so it feels a little weird for us. But for the listeners, they they just came off listening to an interview with Matt Raymer. What do you think about Content Safe? I think it's uh, it's a great idea and a part of a growing industry that is, you know, coming in the trail of the hijacking attempts of the internet. Mm, mm. You know, folks like me who grew up in the heyday of the internet, you know, scrubbing the internet like we see they are doing now. You you saw the latest revelations from Project Veritas where the Pfizer CEO admitted they're doing directed evolution, you know, basically amping up the mortality, which they also do in the Boston University, by the way, uh, of the virus, and then develop a vaccine that can deal with it. If it's indeed even a vaccine, it's probably just another mRNA gene manipulation uh, thing. Then, oops, a new lab leak. Oh, our pockets are full of uh, trillions of dollars, right? So, so this scandal, they scrubbed this guy, this CEO from the internet in panic. And, you know, it, it's typical stupid idiots because that's just the confirmation we need. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't bother if he wasn't a genuine. So, but anyway, these things were unheard of in the old days. Scrubbing the internet, like I, like we discussed in another episode of this show. And uh, back then, you could find a million hits, and it was fun just browsing through all those hits. These days, the Search engines just gives you maybe 15 pages. But then it becomes an industry to try to conserve. Like you have these backup sites of the internet. What's it, what, what are they called? Give a shout out for them. Echo chambers, silos. Is that what you mean? No, no, no. I'm talking about backup. There's a, also a, sites that backs up the internet because things are being scrubbed. Oh, 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 yeah. Wayback machine. Yeah, stuff like that. So I think we're going to just see more and more of it in the future. What I'm hoping, though, is that Musk's attempt to liberate, actually rebrand Twitter. It's a genius. Look, the guy is 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 a businessman, most and foremost. He's always been much more than an inventor. People think, give him much to credit. But he's a businessman. He hijacked the Tesla thing and became rich on that. He did the paper thing, but he didn't develop the code in any event. But it's okay. He's a good businessman, and he realized, oh, there's a huge market now for free speech because that's not getting any outlet anywhere in social media. So I'm going to implement that and throw a monkey's ranch into the big tech kind of thing. And as he's becoming attacked and life-threatened and smeared and economically hurt, 
he just get pissed too. So so now he's he's burned all bridges. But what I'm hoping is that this can create a new trend of more sites going that way. But I, I don't think it will happen with the big ones like Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, mm. etc. Because they are directly controlled by big Intel. Right, right. But and even, uh, even the big companies within podcasting seem to be uh, bad for podcasting. I have this article here. It's an interview that people can listen to on a podcast called Pod News. I've interviewed this guy before on this show, before Al joined me way back when. You mean on your, your, your own show? No, when I did Alt Media United interviews previously, before you joined me as a co-host, right. I interviewed this gentleman named James Cridland, who maybe politically we wouldn't agree, but he covers a bunch of really interesting podcast industry news, and each episode is like three minutes long, so you can kind of listen every day and, and hear what's going on. And one of the things that he recently covered is... Well, he had a conversation with a gentleman named Leo Laporte, who says that Spotify and Amazon are ultimately bad for podcasting. Their complete model is to get you to listen in their app so that they know everything about you. They know exactly yeah. what you listen to, when you listen to it, how many times you listen to it, and which ads are listened to. And they want to sell that information. So backing yeah. up your point, and I, I hope Twitter you know, does something where maybe we can, I don't know, I think I've seen people posting videos on Twitter that are hosted through Twitter and not just a link from another yeah. place. Elon is going to uh, threatening to to compete now. Of course, it's it's not uh, long format stuff, but yeah, he's yeah. threatening to to also he's he wants to make Twitter into a complete platform. In fact, like. The other guys, there's a race now to make a complete internet. You know, like our other guests, Monica, blah, blah, something. Perez. talked about 15-minute cities. Yeah, they want 15 minutes social media too. So <laughs> so he's a gr great businessman. You know, I'm going to provide you everything in one go. Now, of course, that's a threat to us all, no matter who does it. We need a diversified internet but uh, spotify is case in point or is it no point in case is what you say right no you point had it right case. the first time case in point case in point because um they wanted to do the they were pressured by their own woke millennium uh, workers but figured damn we can't be as brutal in the podcast world as we can in social media and YouTube and video platform, it's going to backfire because we are new in podcasting. So they took the middle road. Now they're branding all the shows with these fact check things, but they're not, you know, like Facebook is, is probably the worst. YouTube too. Shadow banning, censoring, and um, even covering up with uh, oh, login, whatever, you know, safety, blah, blah, blah. So I, I think Spotify did the right choice there. But uh, if they had already had the entire market and been more veteran in the field, I'm sure they would have gone all the way. But I think they can be influenced by the likes of Elon Musk. And it's like you say, most um, podcast apps are really just gatekeepers and we don't need them. And that's why me and Mark 
and the entire Altmedia United have a devious plan to break free of that. Is the time for me to, to you know, just paint the picture, don't go into detail, but just evoke the imagination of what's possible with our venture? Please, yeah. Here now? Yeah. yeah. So imagine, folks, that we have a program or an app or whatever you want to call it, that you, that's all you need. Uh, and we're not saying for the entire internet, but for for podcasts. So what we and and let me explain, so you don't think we just are um, mini mini copycat of Musk. I'm t- saying that you could get all your shows through this app with the uh, ability to tailor it. So those you already subscribe to would come in your feed. Because when you use uh, an app today, whatever app, YouTube, Rumble, uh, uh, any podcast app, you get what you subscribe to, but then you get a lot of other bullshit you're not interested in. And in YouTube, they try to force you onto mainstream channels. So that's how bad that is. But here it would be, those that you don't subscribe to would be you know, within the same um, kind of environment. And remember, we don't... We, we try to diversify the philosophy and ideology and uh, categories of of people in our... We don't have, like, you have to adhere to this or that. They just have to be independent. So across the board, and then you can even import your own, you know, stuff that's not in Alt Media United, if it's something you already are interested in and listen to, bam, get that in the, there too. And that way... You don't need all this bullshit, these these uh, commercial apps that's uh, just trying to monitor you and sell to you and man- make money of you and manipulate you and use your data. This way, you are supporting the the independent media scene, and you're getting you know you're getting the best of both worlds. So, I think that's something for to offer, and and you know my listeners. Many of them already listen to your show, Mark, or they listen to Alex's show, or they listen to Gramerica, or they listen to... So this is how, you know, it's it, it's going to be true for all the different shows in the alt media scene that there are overlapping of audiences. And so it's going to be very effective to have an app like that, which is what we're aiming to, to get. And... Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that is also the future of the internet. That um, networks or whatever you want to call it will come together, cooperatives, mm. different factions, and do something like that. We just have to be early out and, and do it for our, our our own. And maybe you don't need any anything else because if you can import the shows you already like in this app, then uh, why would you need? And you we will also give an option to not see some shows, mm. you know, that you don't want to have there. Well, so that's what we need. We really need that freedom to tailor 100% yeah. according to what's your own approach. I think people would appreciate having the ability to use an app that maybe is more tailored to their tastes while also free of ads like, you know, the podcast app I use. I think I pay... I paid like $10 for it one time, and now I have no ads. I can add whatever podcasts I want into it to listen to it. And that's, 
Yeah, it's essentially how I do most of my listening through my phone with this one app, uh, aptly named uh, Podcast Addicts, because, yeah, I'm addicted. And it's funny, there's an article I wanted to share with you and folks listening again by James Cridland, podnews.net. Highly recommend his uh, work. He says, Paid podcast directory service Listen Notes reports a dramatic drop in new podcasts, down from over 1 million new launches in 2020 to just 219,000 new shows in all of 2022. Does yeah, it- but you know what? I think part of that is to do with uh, COVID. Lockdowns right. are, are, are off, people are back to work. Everything is back to normal in most places. And that's my point in bringing this up, especially after what we were just talking about, because now's now's a good time. You know, the people who are serious and and sticking with podcasting, who who started a podcast during that time period, you know, they've, like me, I I guess I'm from them. And then the, the shows like yours that were around way before the pandemic and have existed and survived and, and maybe avoided, you know, massive censorship, although you, you have been shadow banned on some platforms, right? So, yeah, I think it's an interesting, interesting circumstance we're all in now that so many people were exposed to podcasting during that two-year period. There's less... I don't think of it as competition because, as we just said, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. When my show does well, your show does well because people have enough time to listen to both. Uh, I think that's only going to make for shows like ours rising to the top or being smell tests for how bad this censorship really is. I mean, I'll give you one example of something that I think maybe is fishy going on. I'll knock on wood just in case because uh, over the past switch from January to February, I, I gained 15 supporters on my Patreon platform. And overnight during the payment processing period, 16 of them were, were missing. And it only said in my notifications wow. that one person had a card decline. So it just didn't add up in what my Patreon said. And I have seen this happen before, but I just chalked it up to, you know, people's cards getting declined and never resubscribing. So I didn't look into it further. But now I'm starting to think that they're they're capping me at 100 supporters. And I'm wondering if, you know, either there are people who make fake accounts to like, you know, sign up for a month and then you know, quit and sign up again, which they can't do that anymore now that I've changed the payment process where now you're charged up front. Uh, I don't right. know if it was just that initially or or if it's that, you know, for some reason, maybe Patreon is... Ch- I don't trust them, man. Yeah. I, I've had many clashes with them. Huh. No, they are bastards. Um, I kind of use them because I, I'm forced to, but I try to diversify that too. In fact, we should do something similar for Alt Media United. We should uh, have a way to receive uh, donations and payments via uh, well, crypto because that's the, the future. I want to be able to replace. I want to be able to replace Patreon, but I don't want to replace it and and 
lack the features that Patreon allows me to have now. Like, the- do you use the you use the retarded features? I don't use any of the features. <laughs> I don't think their features are retarded, but then again, I don't know uh, any other. I've tried to play around yeah, with um, buy me a coffee, isn't that something? No, here's the thing with Patreon, they give you the option to share YouTube videos with people, which is helpful. Mm-hmm. Although that could be a problem if your YouTube channel gets banned. And then they, the thing that I really love about Patreon is it gives you a private RSS feed that generates a unique RSS feed for each person so that way they can't share that with someone else who isn't subscribed to your Patreon. So uh, essentially mm. it prevents people from, you know, stealing your feed, but they could still, you know, download all of your episodes through Patreon and then maybe go and upload. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've never been worried about that at all. In no. fact, I gave out free subscriptions left and right. See, here's the thing. We don't have millions and millions of followers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if we did, it would be even less of a reason to to, to try to uh, gatekeep our episodes, right? Because <laughs> what kind of money maniacs would we be then? Because we would already be be having a nice uh, well, it's income. Not, it's not so, far-fetched. I've heard podcasters that are, you know, doing as good as... Uh, some of the best, you know, top-ranked podcasts. Yeah, have but here's that the concern. thing, Mark. Here's the thing, Mark. Those who go out of their way not to pay you, but still want to really listen to your show, you're not going to get them to pay anyway. Maybe they don't have the money. People are utterly screwed. They're living paycheck to paycheck, and mm. you know. So I think it's better to have them on board and boost the algorithm and boost the you know knowledge of your show. You you you're getting more back with the freeloaders than without. This is one of the first things we realized when the internet became a thing. Mm. You know, when the music industry and the movie industry were desperate and, oh, we're going to die. No. Look, the big tech, you know how Microsoft, etc., made it? By pirate copies. They knew, and they didn't care at all, that people used their show. If businesses did that, they were bum after them, police, everything. But they kind of calculated that people did it. Because if people, let's say I work for a corporation and I'm used to using a particular software, right? Chances are I'm going to implement that software, spread it, I'm depending on it. People under me will use it, blah, blah, blah. And that's the way you get it spread and established. It's kind of the same in the podcast field. Those who really like your show and respect you and can afford it will throw you a coin. Mm. Now, if you're you know, saying you have to pay like, let's say, $20 a month, a fixed amount, yeah, you lose some. But again, it's because they can't afford it. Me? I'm going with only donations. You you pay me whatever you can afford. And I, I was thinking in the beginning, it's not a very viable solution, but it turned out to be because I'm getting, look, if 100 people can only afford to give me a dollar each, I'm still getting a $100. If I, uh, oh, I had like... I get that. I, 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 yeah? think, I think with certain... I'm, I'm not saying change your model. I'm just saying... Cut them some slack. Trust people a no, little. No, no, no. I I understand, and you you just inspired me yeah. to uh, to say this. 
if anybody listens to my show and they want to get the bonus content that I have available on my Substack and you can't afford it, just email me and I'll give you a free year subscription because I can do that. Actually, I can even give people a free lifetime subscription, which I really like about Substack. I don't think I can do that with Patreon. Just give whoever I want you know, access to the content despite the paywall. So that does, that is something I like about Substack. I've had trouble uploading content like video content and, and audio content there. So I'm not sure quite yet how I'm going to move forward with Substack, but it does seem like a good alternative. And, you know, I don't know how much listeners of this show want to hear us talk about, about this kind of inside baseball stuff. But then again, this is uh, all on a need to know. And this is, this is need to know basis. for all the podcasters, right? right? So right. I think this is a good discussion. And I mentioned yeah. Wix to you as a website provider. Mm. Even they have all these features you mentioning. Um, so, I think it's pretty common these days. It's not. It's not like uh, uh, Patreon in, uh, invented the wheel here, right? Mm. So, so uh, let's hear hear from listeners or all the guests. You know what 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 are what are their their solutions and what options exist? We should have a show about this. Yeah, I know a perfect gentleman to talk to that subject about, and uh, yeah, I, I'm considering looking into that myself at least i've been saying that for a while so i shouldn't postpone it i have no reason to i would love to to have a paywall through my website and that way i can just have my own essentially what i'm doing on patreon now just on my website uh where people get I, a, I, a bo- you know bonus rss feed like you do i mean you you have it all yeah. connected through your wix so i'm sure it can't be that hard I uh, yeah well I actually even don't use the feature there I I just uh, share links that I upload to another server that anyone can copy and spread mm. so and I'm sure some have done it but uh, you know what the respect uh, I say to them please don't release any of these uh, subscriber shows until I've released them because they know that I share everything for free you you're using the standard model model that most people do you withheld some stuff that's only for subscribers mm. i don't i uh, release everything to the public but the reason i'm very slow you know when i release a new show is like uh, it can even be a year old is because i withhold a certain amount for the subscribers and it's like one in one out so at any given time there's 20 for example unique shows but eventually one of them will be released and then another comes in. You understand? That's my model. Mm. And uh, I say, please don't spread this before I've done it myself. I want that prerogative because I do hear you folks. I I, I, I don't withhold anything. I don't like that myself and, and you don't like it. So, and they respect that at least. So, so that's a good thing. Um, I guess we're at the top of the hour now or... Yeah, we should have a show about this. Yeah, we ought to. We ought to do that. We're coming about to up to the end of this show. Al, thank let, you. Let me just conclude by saying, yeah, that at the end of the day, us podcasters have to look to musicians because they were in this predicament long before us, and they found a way to to solve this problem. Mm. And there's different models out there that musicians do with mp3 files and it's kind of the same for us so yeah let's let's revisit this in a show yeah and then we do plan on talking about music as well in a future episode because listeners of my podcast know i use 
new songs each episode, and every song is licensed in the public domain or a similar licensing because, you know, we want to use music that isn't stealing from musicians, right? They, they have all their music licensed up. So it could be difficult to get good music for your podcast unless you know a few tricks. And I'm going to share those with everybody listening on a future episode. So stay tuned and stay informed with us here on the Alt Media United flagship yep. show. Al, thank you so much. for All you need us. to know in one show. Yeah, and go to the episode description to learn more about today's guest and everything that we talked about in the show today, including those articles that I mentioned at podnews.net. So until next time, folks, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you very soon. <laughs>